0: amen Amen. i just feel like praising the lord how about you we praise you lord we just want to see more and more of your glory more of your glory in this place more of your glory in this town more of your glory in our country and more of your glory around the world you may be seated thank you all for coming this morning we know that you um, came on purpose expecting to receive something from the Lord and expecting to give something to the Lord this morning. We're going to start, uh, this is the first Sunday of the month and we uh, have a, I don't know if it's a tradition, we, we just want to do this at least once a month and it seems like the first Sunday of the month is the best time to take communion we take, when we take communion, we talk about a lot of different things, uh, what it represents. We know that it represents uh, what Jesus did for us on the cross. We know that it represents forgiveness of sin, healing of our bodies, uh, redemption from the hand of the enemy. We know all those things and we, we like to bring people into remembrance of that. Each time that we take communion, we don't want you to just do it as a habit or as even an ordinance. We want to do it on purpose for a reason. So this morning, I I have a couple of verses or just a few verses I want to read to you to just kind of maybe uh, branch off and take just a little bit different view of communion because there's a lot of different things that we can talk about when we talk about communion but I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, the, starting with verse 16. And this is Paul talking, and he says, The cup of blessing or wine at the Lord's Supper, upon which we ask God's blessing, does it not mean that in drinking it, we participate in, in and share a fellowship, a communion in the blood of Jesus the Messiah? The bread which we break, does it not mean? That in eating it, we participate in and share a fellowship and a communion in the body of Christ. Paul, Paul begins to bring a new view of communion when he's talking about when we participate in the body and the blood of Jesus, we're participating all together as one body. Now, I just want you to know, and I know you know this, but there is power in unity. I think it's so, so important in this day and hour that we make special effort to be in unity as the body of Christ. I want to look at 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Uh, starting in verse 12. Just as the body is a unity and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body. So it is with Christ the Messiah, the anointed one. And go, go to verse 13. For by means of the personal agency of one Holy Spirit we were all, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, baptized and by baptism united together into one body and all made to drink of one spirit. So we're all part of a whole here. Whether you're a part of Victory Center, whether you're thinking about being a part of Victory Center, but if you are a part of Jesus Christ, if you've accepted Him as your Savior, you are part of all of us. We're all one body. So, um, look at verse um, 25 in that same chapter. For just as a body is a un- unity and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form one body, so it is with Christ. The Messiah and the Anointed One. Go on to uh, the next verse, please. Oh, excuse me, verse, uh, yeah, 13. For by means of the personal agency of one Holy Spirit, we are all, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, oh, I've already read that. Go back to um, verse 25. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm losing my place. Verse 25 in that particular chapter. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. Do I need to look it up? Okay. Okay, this is the word for us today, that there should be no schisms in the body, but that the members... Can we get that in the Amplified, please? So that there would be no divisions or discord or lack of adaptation of the parts of the body to each other. But the members all alike should have a mutual interest in and care for one another. Next verse. And if one member suffers, all the parts share the suffering. If one member is honored, all the members share in the enjoyment of it. Verse 27. Now you, all of you, collectively are Christ's body. And individually... You are members of it, each part severally and distinct, and I like this last phrase, each with his own place and function. So here we are in this place today, many parts of the body of Christ, but each one of you have a part and a function. You may not know what it is yet, but I guarantee you God knows And you can know. And you're important. We're all important. So this morning, uh, I want us to make a special effort to, according to Ephesians uh, 4, verse uh, 2, I believe it is, it talks about making allowances for one another. And then the next verse says to guard and keep the harmony. We're getting ready to enter into a phase of this ministry. I don't think it's just this church, but all around the world. A phase of the ministry where we're going to need the power of God like we've never needed it before. And I I know uh, Brother Hagin made this statement. In the last days, God will reveal His power through the local church. And I believe that we are getting ready to see the power of God demonstrated in the local church and this local church. So I'd like for you to stand with me this morning as we prepare to take uh, communion and if the ushers will come up and prepare for communion. I want us on purpose. If there's anybody here that you have ought against any person in the congregation or if you have been critical of anyone in, our, in the congregation or the body of Christ, let's just take that and lay it aside this morning. Let's allow the Spirit of God, who is the one that creates harmony. We, you may have to forgive somebody. Well, it's, it's better for you to forgive than not forgive, I can tell you right now. It's better for you. Because it's poison. So as we as we uh, take communion this morning, I want you to do it on purpose, releasing yourself from any criticism that you might have towards anybody in the body of Christ, anybody in your own family. Release that criticism and get rid of it. And let's on purpose release love to one another in this congregation. And outside of this congregation because God is doing a mighty thing in bringing unity so uh, as we get ready to take communion I just want to mention that we have on the tables there with the communion elements we have jars and uh, we didn't take time to look at the scripture that has to do with this but uh, Paul says sometimes when you take communion you're forgetting the poor and so he said, you need, to, you need to remember the poor when you're taking communion. So we as a body, we have always made a special effort to put some, uh, you know, if you have a dollar, however much you want to put in, uh, we give to different agencies here in Guyman. But uh, today is for our Hope Pregnancy Center. What a good job they're doing. They're saving a lot of lives. And I just do want to mention this, that next Sunday, the 12th, at the uh, Methodist Enrichment Center, at noon to 1.30 p.m., there will be a uh, fundraising dinner for this Hope Pregnancy Center. So every one of us, as soon as we get through a church on Sunday, let's go over there and support them. They're they doing a great job. And there are flyers out back If you want to pick up one of those flyers so father we just praise you this morning Jesus we praise you for what you have done for us we just can't comprehend all that you have done for us with shedding your blood and the breaking of your body for us but this morning, as we gather together and as we get ready to take communion, just gonna, I ask you, Holy Spirit, just to talk to the hearts of these people here. If there's anyone here that has odd against anyone, anyone, anyone here that might be critical or someone else, any slight corrections that we need to make in our lives, in order to come together and fuse together as one body in this place. Because we're expecting the power and the unity of the Holy Spirit. And we're expecting the power of God to come into this place like never, we've never seen before. And we expect there to be 100% unity because of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we just ask you to forgive us if we've missed the mark. If we've been critical. We ask you to forgive us. Now we release, we release the criticism, we release any uh, unforgiveness that we might have, and we receive your love and your ability to make allowances and to guard, guard the harmony. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have three stations here. Uh, if, if you will just go ahead and start there. Um, let's see. Um, Kai would you come and uh, then Eugene over here thank you Lord love all names you are worthy
1: Saga together
0: To get ready to take communion. Uh, you will notice that there is two cups here, one inside the other. So we have the bread representing Jesus' body, also representing the fact that we are all part of one body. And also the grape juice which re- represents the blood of Jesus, representing the fact that the blood of Jesus redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. And placed us into this body. How thankful we are. So uh, we're going to take the bread first. Father, we just recognize that this is representative of Jesus' body. And as we take this bread, we declare that we are part of one body. We also declare that the the broken body of Jesus paid for our healing. And we receive that right now in Jesus' name. Now, Father, as we partake of this grape juice representative of the very blood of Jesus that paid the price for our sins so that Satan would have no more power over us, and we take this uh, representative of the fact that we are free people and we are all part of one blood in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Thank you for bringing us to this place today to meet with you, to hear what you have to say. And Father, as we prepare to move into the next part of our service, I want to thank you for your holy word, your precious holy word, that you have given to us to instruct us, to guide us, to be a light to our pathway. We honor your word, Lord. We also honor your presence here today. Precious Holy Spirit, we thank you that you will give us utterance today. You will give me utterance as I share the word of God. That your words will become my words. And my words will go forth like a two-edged sword because they're your words. And it will change our lives. And take us to another level in Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated. I believe the ushers will be uh, taking up the cups so you won't have to mess with them during the service and uh, get them out of your way. So this morning, um, I know Nate mentioned at the very beginning uh, that this is a happy birthday celebration. And I just want to mention that uh, we are having a potluck lunch afterwards, and you are all welcome to join us. We're just going to do a little bit of a food celebration. Can we celebrate without food? I don't think so. So um, you're all invited. Uh, We want to just say happy birthday, Victory Center. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Victory Center, you are 46 years old today. And I was there when it was birthed. Pastor and I moved to Gaiman in 1977 at the, at the direction of the Holy Spirit. We did not know why we were moving to Gaiman. Uh, I had heard the Holy Spirit say, you are going to be living in Guyman," And we were getting ready to go to a full gospel businessmen's meeting here In Guyman, so we were living in Perryton at the time. So I heard that word, and I kept it to myself because I, you know, sometimes you don't know for sure if you've heard or not. But it was pretty loud, and I was pretty sure that someday we were going to be living in Guyman. And as uh, Pastor Charlie came up that to the Full Gospel Businessmen's Meeting, they started saying you need to move up here and start a Bible study. or and I, So anyway, that's kind of how it started. So when uh, we decided to take the plunge, we felt like we had heard from God. We moved to Gaiman. Uh, we had such a supernatural intervention uh, during that particular time, getting us a house and everything. We were actually had no money, but God provided us. And so that's another whole story. We got to Gaiman and lo and behold, there had been a woman here in Guymon that had been praying for seven years that God would send someone to Gaiman to start a church that uh, would teach what Brother Hagen had taught. That had she had heard that she'd taken the word, the the message that Brother Hagen had shared, and. Uh, had, it had raised her up from the deathbed, and so she wanted someone to come and teach that same message. And so that was she had been doing that for seven years. And when we got here, she was one of the first ones. She and her husband was one of the first ones that came to our Bible study that we started in our home. So we got we came here in uh, I believe the last part of August of 1977. And we held a Bible study in our home, and it started to grow. And then, November the 6th, 1977, we started Victory Center, our very first church service. And we had around 30 people there that very first service. And it was in, uh, I I don't think we have pictures, do we? it was in the little building across from Hutch's that is Linda Hills Crop Insurance or something like that. That's where we started. We were there for a year. We moved to uh, building number two, which I neglected to get the name of that building because it's really hard to pronounce. But it's a Mexican food place. Does anybody, can you answer this question? What's the name of that Mexican food place? No, not La La Hacienda. It starts with a T. Yeah, there you go. Uh, So that was our second building. (laughs) It was just a little wreck of a building that uh, the mice and the cats, stray cats, run around in. And it was dirty and everything. But we went in there, and some of you were there whenever we remodeled that building and turned it into a church. And that was the second church of Victory Center. Then we were there two two years, and it continued to grow until uh, we were bursting at the seams, and so we had to look for another place. And so the third building that we had was on 5th and Quinn, the one that we just moved out of. We were there for 43 years in that building, and it served us well. And there we, uh, we planted the seed. A lot went on at Victory Center in that building. A lot of life. A little bit of death. There's a few people that passed away. But what a wonderful, wonderful time that we had growing as Victory Center. And then the grand finale. In August, August the, I believe it was August the 6th, Of this year, we moved into this beautiful building. I'm still overwhelmed when I look at what God has done over all these years. And even though we were surprised that Charlie decided to go to heaven ahead of me, um, still God has continued... To do the work. Because it wasn't based on a man. It wasn't based on me. It wasn't based on Charlie. It wasn't based on people. It was based on the Holy Spirit and what he wanted done. Because when God said move to Gaiman. He had a plan. For Victory Center. And our challenge. As a church. Is to fulfill. The plan that God has for us because we're just barely starting we've got a lot to do because god has spoken to us and given us a mission and that mission is to build god's kingdom so what does that look like so i'm going to just talk a little bit about kingdoms this morning i actually titled this this, the tale of two kingdoms. Because when Jesus was on this earth, he, uh, the disciples came to him and said, um, teach us how to pray. Now, don't you think that what came out of Jesus' mouth at that time was important? So he, he's in uh, Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse um, I think, yeah, it's 10. This is one of the first things that he said that we should pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, when Jesus said for us to pray that the kingdom, and we're talking about like the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which you can use either, either cha- interchangeably, When he says, you pray that God's kingdom will come and it's going to be his will done on this earth, even as it is in heaven, that's a big prayer. And interesting enough, to me, it's like, uh, well, God's God. Can he just come down and make his will known here on this earth? You know, some people believe that everything that happens to us Is the will of God is that true those murders that took place in Israel beheading babies and throwing them in ovens and roasting them alive is that God's will so can God just do anything he wants to on this earth when he wants to do it some people think he can but you don't know, if you think that, you don't know the tale of two kingdoms. You don't know what's take, what, how it started, and you don't know the legality of the kingdoms. So, uh, I want to just go back just a little bit to the, the beginning. I want to go back to uh, the reason... God began to establish man on this earth. Now, what was in God's mind when he made Adam and Eve? I think uh, he, I'm not going to turn to the scripture, but in, uh, I believe it's Genesis 1, around 26, 27, somewhere in there. He made man in his own image for a reason. And then we find out what that reason was. Because he told them, take dominion. I'm going to give you dominion. That's one uh, word that describes a kingdom. It's, it's actually a jurisdiction or a governing, uh, gov- governing authority. So when, when God made Adam and Eve... He said actually what he was doing was he was franchising the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. Headquarters was up there, but the earth was supposed to look just like heaven with the will of God being done here on heaven. He was expanding the kingdom of heaven down here on this earth. And everything went really good. For a little while. And we don't know how long it was after God made Adam and Eve and gave them authority till Genesis 3 happened. But we do know something that happened between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. So Genesis 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but then verse 2 said, but the earth was without form and it was void In Jeremiah, it says God never created anything without form and void. So, something happened to make the earth without form and void. So, uh, we get a little clue. You know, we don't know very much about what happened between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. But we do know that something uh, just chaotic happened during that time, to make the earth without form and void. So we get a clue in uh, Isaiah, the 14th chapter, starting in verse 12. So Isaiah, a prophet, is getting a glimpse of something that happened way back before Genesis 2, the beginning, when God began to recreate the earth. And he says, "'How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer?' Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? Next verse. For thou hast said in thy heart. Now, I want you to pay real close attention. We're going to, get, we're going to pick up some information here. He said, so this is Lucifer. Lucifer was a beautiful, beautiful angel. He was also, he was one of three great governing angels. Beautiful. I mean uh, uh, one description of him says that he had diamonds and all kinds of jewels all over him. There was no one more beautiful than him. And also he had the ability to make music. I mean wonderful heavenly music. I mean, some say he might have been a choir leader. I don't know. That's not actually in the Bible. But uh, he did have a group of angels that followed him. And so theologians believe, and I tend to agree, that there was a creation, an earlier creation. There were inhabitants on this earth, but there were angelic rulers on this earth at that time. Because we're going to see something here in a minute. Uh, so we, we, we feel like from this verse especially that Lucifer was kind of the ruler under God over the earth at that time. And so here is Lucifer talking at some point. And he, said, he says in his heart, I will ascend into heaven. So we know he isn't in heaven at this particular time. We know that he does have access to heaven. I will ascend ascend into heaven. I will exalt my what? Throne above the stars of God. So we know that Lucifer had a throne and he was below the heavens. And I will set also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. He's saying, I'm getting ready to go up and take over God's throne. Next verse. I will ascend. So we know he's down above the heights of the clouds. So we know he's below the clouds. And I will be like the most high. So this is the heavenly insurrection, but we find out something that God, I believe, because another account says that he was in Eden, he walked in Eden, which we know there was a garden of Eden that was recreated when Adam and Eve were placed on the earth, or created on the earth, so I believe, now, you know, you don't want to believe this, that's fine, there is enough scripture that kind of backs it up, but I believe Lucifer was used to ruling on the earth, and he got lifted up in pride. He went up to, uh, he ascended, he tried to uh, dethrone God. How stupid is that? And he was cast out of heaven. When he was cast out of heaven, he was cast down to the earth, and there he began to wreak havoc with the earth. And that's how it became without form and void. So there was finally, I mean, all this chaos was going on. There was darkness. Everything was, I mean, it was, Satan's kingdom always produces darkness. So darkness was over the face of the deep. And then in, ver, in, in Genesis 2, we see that God comes on the scene again. So he comes on the scene. He makes Adam and Eve recreates the earth, and gives them dominion. And I think that Satan, who he had become Satan now, Satan was so ticked off that God was placing someone else over that, this planet and he began to make plans. What was he after? Satan or Lucifer? Lucifer? He was after that dominion again. He wanted to be a ruler again. And so we come to Genesis 3. And in Genesis 3, he wiggles his way into the garden, and you know the story. Once Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they took that authority that God had given them and gave it to the devil. And the Bible tells us, uh, there's uh, two places in particular, 2 Corinthians 4.4. four says, for the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds. So he calls, we won't read the rest of that right now. calls him the God of this world. And then in 1 John 5.19 it says that the whole world... Is under the power of the evil one. So you wonder why bad things are happening in this world? Bad things are happening because the devil came on the scene and he began to establish a kingdom. The kingdom of darkness. And in that kingdom, we have a description of... Uh, Two kingdoms, John 10.10. The thief, or the devil, comes only in order to steal, kill, and to destroy. So if you want to describe Satan's kingdom, this would be the description. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Why is there so much killing? Stealing and destroying in this world. It's because the devil has a kingdom. But then God, leave that up there for just a minute. God was not, he was not going to tolerate Satan's kingdom taking over this world. So he he made man and then, of course they sinned. There was a lot going on. You know, we have to jump over a lot. But God began to exert Himself back in, through sacrifices and different things, to try to get Him some people that would serve Him, so that He could He invade the earth. And then one day, you know, in Genesis three fifteen, God made a prophecy. He said, "There's going to be a seed from a woman." It's gonna crush your head, Satan. Hmm. So I'm sure he was thinking, I wonder who this is. I don't want my head crushed. I better, ever, you know, he's, he tried to tried to kill as many people as he could. He was trying anything that looks really like maybe this one is going to be the one. See, he doesn't know everything. He would kill him. Mass killings, but one day there was a seed born on this earth by a woman, from a woman, not a woman and a man, just a woman, and that seed was the Son of God in human form. And he came for a reason. Now, in uh, 1 John 3 8, uh, excuse me, yeah, just keep that ready. We're going to go back to John 10 10 in a minute. But he who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil, taking his character from the evil one, for the devil has sinned and violated the d- divine law from the beginning. The reason, the reason. The Son of God was made manifest and visible, was to do what? To undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. So, why Jesus came, he came for this purpose. This evil kingdom that had been established on this earth, he came to destroy that kingdom. Now, Satan's kingdom is full of uh, not just stealing, killing, and destroying, but it also has sin, sickness, poverty, demon, oppression, ob- obsession, and possession. That's what Satan's kingdom looks like. But then Jesus came. Go back to John 10, 10, please. Jesus says, I came that they... That's you and I. They may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And that is a description of God's kingdom here on this earth. So we have the tale of two kingdoms. We have two kingdoms fighting here on this earth. And that's why Jesus told his disciple, pray that the kingdom of God will come on this earth that God's will will be done on this earth as it is in heaven it's important that we realize that there are two kingdoms and we don't attribute what Satan is doing to God if you want to get me ticked off You can say that God did all that awful stuff. We just don't know why. But, um, you know, he must have a plan. That's not his plan. He's got a plan. And his plan is good, it's abundant life, overflowing. Till it just overflows and splashes over on everybody else. If you want to see what God's kingdom looks like, and contrasted to Satan's, you can look at Deuteronomy 28, but we won't go there this morning, but it talks about the blessings of God, the blessings of the kingdom. We're blessed going in, we're blessed coming out, we're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the field, we're blessed in everything that we set our hand to do. We have a surplus of prosperity. He opens up the good treasures of heaven and pours out rain in season. He blesses the works of your hands. That's God's kingdom. You can tell the difference between the two. It's pretty easy. If it's stealing, killing, destroying, and all the miseries that sin brings, that's not God. But God wants his kingdom established. That's what needs to take place. The neat thing about it is, you know, at one time, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That puts us in Satan's kingdom. But the neat thing is this. Put up Colossians 1.13. The neat thing is this. When you accept Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and you are born again, whoo, the Father then has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has what? Transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. That's where you and I dwell. We should dwell there. We, we need to know what our rights and privileges are in this kingdom. Because the enemy doesn't like what's going on in your life. I mean, he will try to bring, he will try to draw you back under his influence any way he can. We've been talking about that for this last month. The war that we don't know we're in. The enemy comes. He deceives people. Into going against what God's laws are and Just like he did Adam and Eve. So uh, we are in a kingdom that should be ruling and reigning on this earth. And once again, God is trying to franchise heaven here on this earth in a sense of getting rid of Satan's kingdom in your life or my life. And that is what our struggle is many times. That's what it's all about. That's what our walk with the Lord's all about. That's why we have this, this instruction book to tell us how to do it, what to do. And if we're obedient to it, we can walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And we can walk upright and righteous before God. In 1952, Brother Hagen had a vision. And that vision, in that vision, he was, he was praying, and Jesus appeared to him. And he said, "I've come." Jesus said, "I've come to teach you about demon and demons and demon possession." And so he started talking to Brother Hagen, and as he was talking to him, this little demon came into the room and ran between Brother Hagen and Jesus and threw up a, a kind of a smoke screen. Brother Hagen could barely see Jesus, and Jesus just kept on talking like nothing was happening. And the little demon stood there and said, Yakety yak, yakety yak, yakety yak. He said he looked kind of like a little monkey. And he kept, Brother Hagin kept saying, thinking, why isn't Jesus doing anything about this? I can't hear what he's saying, and I need to know what he's saying. But Jesus just kept talking. Finally, Brother Hagin got so aggravated, he just said, you little demon, stop now in Jesus' name. And he said, that little demon just dropped to the floor and began to whimper and whine and tremble. And then Brother Hagan said, and furthermore, get out of here in the name of Jesus. And that demon just went, ran right out. And then uh, Jesus, Brother Hagen was thinking, I wonder why Jesus didn't do something about that. And Jesus knew what he was thinking. And so I'm just going to kind of read, read to you what he wrote down that Jesus said. So Brother Hagin was thinking, why did God, why did Jesus permit that to happen? And Jesus said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. And Brother Hagin said, I don't think I'm hearing you right, Jesus. You didn't say that you couldn't have, you said you wouldn't have. And he said, no, I couldn't have. And so he went through that four times, and finally... Jesus said this, um, not one single time in the New Testament is the church ever told to pray that God the Father or I would do anything against the devil. In fact, to do so is to waste your time. The believer is told to do something about the devil. The reason is because you have authority to do it. The church is not to pray to God, to God the Father about the devil. The church is to exercise the authority that belongs to it. And he said this, "...the least member of the body of Christ has just as much power over the devil as anyone else. And unless believers do something about the devil, nothing will be done in a lot of areas." Jesus said, I've done all I'm going to do about the devil until the angel comes down from heaven, puts him in chains, and throws him into the bottomless pit, which is in Revelations 20, verses 1 through 3. And then Jesus, Brother Hagin said, well, Jesus, I've never heard anything like that. You're going to have to give me scripture. I don't care if I'm I'm seeing you. If you don't give me at least two scriptures, two or three scriptures, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to believe you even though I'm hearing it out of your own mouth. And so Jesus began to talk to him about some of the scriptures that we've been using in this last month. And these scriptures are, uh, have to do with, uh, for instance, Matthew 28. You don't need to put these up because I'm just going to refer to them. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, All power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And he said, So you go in my name. And Matthew and Mark 16, he says, "In my name, you're going to cast out devils. Speak with new tongues. Take up serpents, and if I, if you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. You will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover." What is that doing? That's establishing God's kingdom here on this earth. And so, and also um, Ephesians 4:27, "Give no place to the devil." James 4, 7 says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And the meaning of that flee is, he will run from you as in terror. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, the devil goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. But resist him at his onset in the faith. So all of these Jesus gave to uh, Brother Hagen, And so from that point on, he realized what you and I are realizing today. We have authority in Jesus' name to change things in our lives, to change things in our community, we must build god's kingdom that is our vision that means we need more of the power of god working through us that means we need to really believe what we're hearing it's important
1: it has been our honor to offer this message today if you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the word of god we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory center with a financial donation You may do so today via the online giving portal at thechristcenter.org. Thank you.